HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Square. If you run a restaurant or business, Square has the tools to help you stay connected to customers, shift your business, and navigate this uniquely challenging time. Learn more at square.com slash go slash techbytes. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 165 countries around the world. It used to be about a million listens a month, but I bet we have more listeners right now. Right now is the time in 2020 when most of us, a lot of us, are sheltering at home due to the coronavirus pandemic. And in spite of the fact that we can't get together at the Heritage Radio Network studio at Roberta's Pizza in Brooklyn and Bushwick, Brooklyn, We are soldiering on remotely, recording shows via Zencaster to keep bringing you our weekly lineup of shows and some really great stories of what the food and restaurant community are doing from around the world during this time. Today, I am really happy to introduce uh, the crew from Food and Finance High School, which is a public school in New York City. It's the only food and finance culinary high school that we have. I have been trying for years to do an episode with Food and Finance High School. Um, We've done one many years ago. The Heritage Radio Network has a food radio program, the Saxelby Radio Scholars, that we've done in years past where we made food radio after school with some of the students. And we've had some of those students on the show before. And, you know, while I was consuming a lot of social media and Instagram and Twitter, I kept really noticing how active the Instagram feed was for Food and Finance High School and what an amazing uh, job the students and the faculty and friends and supporters of the school have done um, almost immediately to sort of pivot what they're doing and uh, create some resources and opportunity and support for everyone involved. So Today, we have a great show. Today is May 26, 2020, for those of you listening in the future. We have brought together Eliza Lower, who is the Executive Director of the Food Education Fund. Eliza, thank you for calling in from Points Afar. Thank you for having me. And also helping uh, wrangling the show and all the details and putting it together. It's nice to hear you. Of course. We also have with us Kat Tavares who is program manager at the school. Kat, thank you for calling in as well. Thank you so much for having me as well. And we have Naya Rivers, who is a 
senior student at Food and Finance High School who will be graduating really soon. Naya, thank you for joining us as well. Thank you for having me. So we had a the we had a call earlier um, a few days ago to sort of talk about the different points that we wanted to make sure to mention in in telling the story of what's happening at Food and Finance High School. And I would love it, Naya, if you would start off and and tell the story about what happened that Friday um, in March. I think it was Friday the thirteenth. You all got your senior sweaters. Tell us about that. Yes. Okay. So we had a, a senior meeting at one of our um teachers classrooms and that lunch we all got our senior sweaters and we were supposed to come back that monday um all of us wear them take a photo we're supposed to go in a yearbook and my teacher said something she was like okay everybody wear your sweaters if school isn't shut down and um <laughs> over the weekend we got the news that school was shut down so that was kind of crazy so you all have your sweaters at home then tell us what they look like um, we took a fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme. So, and the front is says fresh class of 2020. Um, and on the back, it has the 20 big, bold, like letter print. I love that you took a French fresh Prince of Bel-Air, uh, motif. And because I was probably in school, the first time the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air came around, like actually on TV. How did you guys even discover that? I mean, it seems like so old school, but I guess it's new school now. <laughs> we all watch it. Um, usually it comes on like Nick at Night or like mm-hmm. on Nicktoons, just the old shows. And we all kind of watch it. We all watch like kind of old shows like that. Oh, fantastic. That really, that makes me so happy. And do you guys all listen to Will Smith also, the whole canon of, of hip-hop from that period? Um, I don't know if we do that. <laughs> okay, maybe not that. Maybe that's a little too far. So the senior <laughs> sweaters, that was a big tradition at your school that then you missed out on when the schools closed down that weekend. So that Monday, March 16th, you were supposed to take your photo and you wound up being at home. So what was your... What was your first reaction? What What did you think about when you got up at home on Monday morning? Well, on Monday morning, I was kind of like thrown out of the loop. I had to turn off all my alarms because I had a lot. I don't like waking up in the morning. <laughs> so um, it was kind of like, what do I do now? Uh, I texted some friends. My brother was home. We basically just played video games all day and kind of wondered like what's going to happen from here on out. So Eliza, simultaneously, while, you know, the senior class was getting ready with their sweaters and students, what was happening on the administrative and faculty side of things from Friday afternoon over the weekend when you started hearing that things were likely going to close that Monday? Sure. Um, So actually, when you just said that it was Friday the 13th, that's the first time that it occurred to me, Friday the 13th was the last day of school. Yes, rather ominous. Uh Yeah. Um, So, you know, coronavirus had been steadily gaining ground in New York. So we um, definitely knew that a school closure was a, a big possibility. And we thought even if schools don't close, a lot of restaurants and restaurant groups are closing and a lot of our students and a lot of their parents work in the restaurant industry. Um, and we knew that they were going to need some support pretty soon. Um, and especially if schools did close, 
a lot of families rely on school meals for their food for many days. So we called up our partners, Goya, um, and they very quickly agreed to not only provide um, rice and beans for the students of Food and Finance High School, but also all six schools in the building. So we're actually, we're a nonprofit food education fund that supports Food and Finance High School, but also High School of Hospitality Management on the third floor and uh, Brooklyn STEAM as well. So that day, that Friday, uh, we distributed about meals for about 2,400 students. So I think that was something like 20,000 meals. Um, And the seniors... So this is that, this is... This is that first Friday. Exactly. So that means earlier in the week you were getting ready. Yeah. You were getting ready to do things. And you distributed 2,400 meals on Friday in anticipation of something coming, but without really knowing. Yeah. And I, I think we really thought of it that Wednesday, because crazy enough, that Monday was our, our big gala. Um, so that was a wild, wild week. Um, so it, it really came together in, in about... I don't know, 30 hours, the whole thing. And then the senior interns, um, Naya included, really stepped up to make all of that happen. Um, we were able to get most of it done before school closed. Um, but then we, we did another round the next week for families that weren't able to participate in that um, and created a, a social distance setup for that for families to be able to pick up food. Um, but we also realized that on that Sunday, the 15th, that's when they announced schools were closing, and they also announced that restaurants would be closing. So kind of immediately what came to mind was restaurants are closing. They have a ton of food. They won't really be able to bring that food anywhere in such a short amount of time because they have about 48 hours to close, and families are going to need that food. So we set up a, a food map where restaurants could list themselves for families to come pick up food, which was open to any student in New York, which we think was pretty successful. It had about 20,000 views in the first 24 hours, but it was complicated and a lot of restaurants were in you know, downtown Manhattan or downtown Brooklyn, and our students come from all five boroughs. Naya's in Far Rockaway, we have students in the Bronx, in Staten Island, in Queens. Um, so we, we quickly realized that we were gonna need to do a separate food distribution as well. So that's when we. So, Kat, how was that? So, Kat, how was that playing out on the administrative side? It sounds like so many moving parts. But is it the is it the restaurant mentality of sort of working in a brigade of you know top down? Everybody's working towards a common goal and following orders from the top. That do you think allowed you all to be so effective in such a short period of time? Um, to be honest, we didn't. We didn't. No, you know, obviously we didn't anticipate any of this happening. It all happened really, really fast. And we were just moving as, you know, as things were happening, we were kind of just going with the flow with whatever was going on and reaching out to whichever restaurants and trying to give families access to whatever food was available. Um, Quickly realizing that restaurants as well were moving, you know, as everything was happening, they didn't have any structure um, as to how things were going to go. So listing themselves and um, moving and a lot of, there was a lot going on, like schools were still giving food and trying to figure out a plan for families to go to the school and receive food and still kind of have some sort of guide for families that have food insecurities. 
Um, so everything was happening really, really fast for us on on our end. As Eliza said, that first food distribution happened so quickly. Um, in about 30 hours, we went from not knowing anything that was going to happen to having about 30 gazillion cases of food in our hallway. We had cases all over. It was insane. I mean, Naya was there. We were packing up rice for hours. We had we just had so much food. We needed like our entire janitor team to come and carry insane amount of pallets of food. Um so everything just happened really, really fast. And we um it, like as Eliza said, we had a a setup of social distancing, but we didn't really know what that even looked like at the time because um everything wasn't as developed as it is right now. So everything was just moving fast and Naya put Naya actually put that together of like I I reached out to her and she had to reach out to all her friends and get everybody together to come to the school and pack up all this food and you know everything just went from there. That's really amazing that you had the forethought to put all those things together, um, not only just in terms of what was happening at the school and, and the food that was in your refrigerators, but also what was happening in restaurants across the city. So that was your first effort. And then you had a second effort that came into view after, after that initial one. How many, how many student families do you have at the school or in the building that you were thinking about? supporting? So at Food and Finance High School, there are 400 students. Uh, Hospitality management has another 400. And then Brooklyn Steam's culinary program had another 60. So our next move, um, which actually started because our amazing board member Questlove started doing nightly DJ sets to fundraise for food distribution. Um, and he quickly got over 2,500 donors to donate um, now upwards of $200,000 for food distribution. So, wow. Which was amazing. Wow. Say that again. So, say that again. Over 2,500 donors came together to donate over $200,000, which for a nonprofit of three people is a huge, huge amount. Um, That's amazing. And that is Questlove who was doing. Um, DJing on Instagram. Right? Yeah, Instagram and YouTube every night, basically from March. Um, I think he may have taken three or four days off in the past two months. Um, but it's one of those things that I never could have even asked for. He just really stepped up and has made such a huge difference. Um, so with those funds, we were able to put together a food distribution for 800 families. Um, and that included those three schools, but we also opened it up to uh, the rest of the building, which includes a school for students with severe disabilities, a school for recent immigrants. Um, we also worked with a school in Long Island City, Long Island City High School, and another school nearby with a culinary program. Um, and we were we worked with Ace Endico, who's a restaurant distributor that had to completely change their plan with all of this. So they started doing direct-to-consumer They ended up making an entire copy of their website and whole new distribution setup just for us and our families. Um, And they gave each student $200 worth of credit. So we kind of paid for half and they they matched that to choose what they wanted on their kind of grocery site, which was really important to us to be able to give the families choice just because we know families have such different backgrounds, such different ways of eating, dietary restrictions. 
Um, but on top of that, we also were amazed that some of our other donors, so Cola Vida, uh, stepped up and gave a case of pasta, a case of tomato sauce, a case of olive oil. Goya stepped up again and gave um, tons of rice and beans, just plant-based eggs, gave tons of that. And then HelloFresh also gave um, two meals per family. So that ended up being 280,000 meals in total, which again, I think was just, we were blown away by how everybody came together and stepped up. And it, you know, for again, for a nonprofit of three, having over 3,000 people come together to make this happen was, makes me want to cry thinking about it. That's really amazing. Again, just the, the combination of generosity from all the different groups, but then also everyone's ability to kind of spring into action very quickly and work together and get something done is really amazing. You know, we've been talking so much about how important restaurants are to the fabric of, you know, our neighborhoods and our communities and our economies. And when we're talking about schools, um, we're talking about learning from home and we're talking about, you know, schools being, you know, childcare and things like that. But, you know, we're not, we, we don't talk as frequently about schools as a community center to distribute things like food. And especially in, you know, public school systems, um, it's so important. So the, the fact that you were able to fulfill that component of the school's I wouldn't say mission, but responsibility that the school has started to do is, is also just great. In addition to all of the digital learning, Kat, what was happening on the like virtual learning side? How do you do virtual learning for a school where the classroom is a kitchen? Um, to be completely honest, it has been challenging. It's been actually one of the most challenging parts of this whole thing. Um, not only on the school front, obviously, a lot of the students, like our students are required to take an hour and a half of culinary classes every day alongside their regular um, educational kind of academic courses. So it's very difficult to teach something that is meant to be hands-on um, over video or anything virtual because that just doesn't go in line with what that class looks like. Um, not only on the school front, but also us as a nonprofit because um, a big part of our mission is to have experiential learning. So we want all of our programs and everything that we do with students to be an experience, to be something hands-on. Uh, so having to, you know, restructure everything to be the total opposite of hands-on, literally, um, has definitely been, you know, a challenge. On the virtual side, uh, we were we were lucky enough to be able to uh, bounce back really, really quickly. And uh, all the teachers, uh, all the staff, faculty, everybody just came together really, really quick and started to uh, put out ideas and create different trackers and different systems that allowed us, the, the you know, the instructors to, to kind of just go. Um, we've had chefs uh, conduct videos. Um, I've very, very, as soon as all of this started to happen, I've started to conduct phone calls to my students, um, text messages. I mean, now I will tell you, I, I text a lot with, with the kids and just making sure that that we are virtual because we're required to be, but also that that hands-on component is not completely lost 
because I think that that's what um, sets our industry apart from other industries. You know, this is the hospitality world where we are um, very much in the customer service area. You know, we, we have that human touch and I would never want them to lose that. So um, we started to conduct uh, a lot of Google Meets, a lot of Zoom calls, a lot of different ways just to keep some sort of human interaction where they know that the industry is kind of at a stop right now, but it's not over for the industry. Um, a lot of our students want to go into the kitchen. A lot of our students also want to go into other areas of the industry. Um, and right now, like I said, the industry is kind of at a pause. Many restaurants have shut down. Many things are just stopped. So we want to make sure that they understand that it's not over for the industry just yet. That's a really good point that you make about not only hospitality being something where it's human touch and human interaction, but also for students who have spent, you know, years and years uh, learning and practicing and working to become a part of an industry that is sort of hanging in the air with a big question mark around it right now. Naya, how has it been for you on the student side in terms of virtual classes and looking at videos and connecting with people. I'm sure you and your friends were already very connected through like texting and social media and stuff like that. But how was the change of now having that with your teachers? Okay, so with the teachers and just everything going virtual and online, it was kind of odd. Well, not totally, because some things are already online like we can manage our like grades online like we have pupil paths and we can like watch how everything is going but everything with like the classes and the work and the proof everything having to be like uploaded um the google meets it was definitely a shift but it wasn't too difficult i feel like in my case like we kind of got lucky because um the AP of our school, he's, like, really, like, tech-savvy, and he, like, helps a lot of the things run smoothly, so I felt like with that, it wasn't too hard, and with the staff at our school, it's always constant communication, so if we have any problem with, like, anything, we can always go to, like, the office hours or shoot them, like, a quick email, and we'll get, like, immediate help, which has helped a lot because I know like some people are like struggling like with the work because they're definitely like hands-on and like visual learners but um we're all trying to figure it out like one by one I text my friends if I need help they text me if I can help them out with something it's just the constant communication that helps us move along are you communicating more now with your friends than you were before is it still pretty much the same I feel like I am communicating more because um I can't see them face to face but I can definitely text them like over like the littlest things (laughs) like if we have any um questions about like what time is the google meet like what do they need for like this project or like this paper um we're always in constant communication now because it has expanded to like life and the classroom so we're in constant communication now 
Is there anything that has been surprisingly more interesting or maybe better being in a remote environment? And I'll, I'll give you an example of what I mean by better because it's maybe a strange idea to think of something being maybe better or good now. My This podcast, my rule was always I wanted people to come to the studio and be in person because I thought that having a face-to-face conversation with people was a better conversation and made a better show because you could see them, you could look at them. And if guests couldn't make it to Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, although offering them pizza during the show was always a really good bribe to get people to come out, I would not have them on. So for this podcast, starting in March with episode 200, all of our shows have been remote via Zencaster, which is an online podcasting platform. And it has allowed me to talk with people from all over the world and all over the country, which before this, I would not have been able to do. So we spoke with Um, the director of content from the world's 50 best restaurants who was in the UK. We spoke with business owners in California and chefs in the South and all over the world. So for me, for the show, it's been interesting and almost a positive thing that we now talk to people from everywhere, which we would not have done in the past. So even though it's a strange time and it's, it's a time that is predicated on something that's just really a horrible event, there's something about it that is is a little bit positive in some respects. So is is there anything for you that surprised you that it's kind of okay or maybe you're having, I don't know, better talks with your friends or doing something a little different that you wouldn't have had the chance to do? Um, Yeah, there are like a few things that are kind of like good about this. Um, One of them is like staying on top of my assignments. Like usually I am kind of a procrastinator. Um, so having like Google Classroom, everything is like scheduled. Like there's like a due date, you can see, they give you reminders, like this is due tomorrow. Um, it's just like those constant reminders and um, posted notifications is, they're like always around so you can never really like lose track and you do have like a lot of free time so it like helps you stay on track in a way um and another fun thing that I've been doing with um my English teacher like we have like these movie nights (laughs) we would get on um google meet and just vote for a movie play the movie and just talk about it for a little bit after. I guess it's a way for like the class to stay connected um, and just be together in a time that we can't physically be around one another, which is pretty nice. So that sounds, that sounds great. What was the last movie that you watched together? The last movie, I think it was um, Parasite. I think. Oh, it was definitely Parasite. Oh. That was a good movie. Okay. That's a heavy one. And foreign language, lots of subtitles. Yes. We are going to take a quick break to find out who the sponsor is of this show. Did you know that Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit? We're kind of like public radio. 
We keep the lights on and the mics hot out of the generosity of our members, who are mostly listeners like you, grants, and underwriters like this one. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Square. We all know that this is an incredibly challenging time for our friends running restaurants and small food businesses. With social distancing in place, people are staying home and eating in, and restaurants have had to pivot to pickup and delivery only. HRN would usually be recording our podcast from our studio inside Roberta's, but since they've had to close their dining room, they've ramped up their frozen pizza production, set up a wine and grocery shop, and seen their delivery orders skyrocket. Like Roberta's, many restaurants have been changing offerings day by day as they figure out how to best serve their customers. If you run a restaurant or small business, Square has the tools to help you adapt. One of these tools is the Square online store. It lets you set up a free online ordering page with curbside pickup and local delivery so you can keep customers safe. You can deliver orders yourself or integrate with delivery partners. Its order hub lets you manage all your incoming orders in one place, no matter which delivery partners you choose to use. Square has all the tools to help you stay connected to customers no matter where they are. See everything that's available by visiting square.com slash go slash techbytes. Well, if you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network where we look at the intersection of food and technology. And right now, in May 2020, we are looking at companies, businesses, and people who have pivoted and are offering relief and inspiration during the global coronavirus pandemic. Today, I am very happy to have a conversation with a group from Food and Finance High School. It's New York City's culinary high school. It's an amazing group of students and educators and organizers. Heritage Radio Network has had a long-time relationship with the school, doing uh, food radio programs after school, working with some of the career days, and uh, just generally supporting the next generation of our culinary stars. So we were just speaking with uh, Naya Rivers, who is a senior student, she'll be graduating this year, about what some of the silver linings were in terms of the time of this pandemic. And I'll ask both Eliza and Kat, Eliza, has has there been a surprisingly um, positive thing that's been happening during this period of time? Yeah, definitely. I think... Um, kind of along with everybody else in the world, this has been an opportunity to reset and kind of rethink all of our programs and the way that we interact with students and their families. Um, and one exciting thing that, but, so social media for us in the past was kind of um, honestly a chore. We were always around the kids, so we always had tons of pictures and videos, but it just felt like a thing that we had to post. Um, and now that we don't have content, we had to kind of rethink that. So we um, started doing student and alumni uh, live cooking demos, which have been incredible. And Naya was actually our first uh, guinea pig for the student demos. Um, and she was just such a natural and so much fun to watch. 
Um, and it's also just been such a great connector for our students, our alumni, our parents, and the rest of our supporters in a way that we never would have been able to facilitate um, in person. And we just didn't even, we thought it was way too complicated before, but we've, we've learned that it's, it's much simpler than we thought and has allowed um, our community to share directly with the world, build their skills um, as kind of being not performers, but kind of, you know, doing cooking demos um, and connect with each other as well and also build our following, which has been really exciting. So if listeners at home want to check out the Food and Finance High School Instagram, it is at Food Education Fund. You can find them on Twitter at F-E-F-N-Y-C. If you want to take a look at the website while you're listening to the episode, that is foodfinancehs.org. I also saw on social media on your Instagram feed that you're doing this great series called Ask a Pro or Ask a Professional. Uh, which has been fantastic also. Um, Kat, can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So um, as we as, as all this started to evolve, um, there's obviously a lot of resources out there and many people in our industry who are dealing with uh, some of the similar things that we're dealing with. So we wanted our students to have access to people that have been in the industry that can guide them and let them know about many different uh, sectors of the hospitality industry, which is very vast. So we wanted them to obviously have access to chefs and different demos and people that are a little more kitchen savvy, but also professionals that, you know, food photography and uh, different areas in, in the, in the, within the industry that they can benefit from. So the Ask a Pro section was um, actually very interesting to come about because it allowed us not only to connect with students, but also to connect with industry leaders that we could reach out to and have them join um, the Instagram handle for a day. And uh, we add them to our network, but also they're able to speak to, you know, an audience of people um, and put themselves out there and also just feed some knowledge based on, you know, whatever they've been through in the industry. And obviously, of course, feed some knowledge to our students, which is obviously our priority. So it's a little bit of a different kind of extracurricular learning that maybe wasn't on deck in the past. And I would be curious to know um, what your thoughts are on if this sort of fills a little bit of that in-person, hands-on class experience. I mean, obviously, students and the pro that's giving the class are separated, and they may not all have the same types of tools, but sort of the idea of talking about things that are kitchen skills or physically being able to see the person and ask the questions, does that give some of the in-person? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and not just the Ask a Pro sec, uh, you know, that that is obviously um, where we are able to connect with many industry leaders, but just the overall programming right now with social media, we've been able to uh, basically designate a day with a different theme um, and it is the overall week uh, structuring it in that way has allowed us to connect with, you know, Monday we have Axel Pro. So we're obviously connecting with people from the industry and our students are benefiting from that. Um, Tuesdays we do uh, student takeovers. So that's allowed many students to reach out that we didn't really, um, you know, connect with before 
they've been reaching out because they want to do a demo. Um, we have alumni takeovers on Thursday, and we've had a lot of alumni from, you know, different years that have graduated, like before I started working with Food Education Fund, um, before the current cohort. So we've had a lot of different ways to connect with people and students that we normally would not have connected with um, by doing this this whole social media thing. So it's definitely been um, a benefit. And surprisingly, although we've lost so much of that actual physicality, we've gained so much more of, you know, human interaction. I, I'm, I've gotten very comfortable with answering FaceTimes, you know, without my hair being combed. And it's been a very realistic thing because my kids, you know, they're, they're FaceTiming. It, it happens all really, really quickly. They don't have time to, like, schedule a meeting sometimes. So they're calling. They're, you know, obviously during hours that, you know, they're, they're allowed to because we'll, we'll technically be in the school day. But they, they call at random hours and they'll – I just have to be comfortable with, you know, answering them. And they, they want to do takeovers and they want to be um, active on social media. And it's just it's just been very – rewarding to know that although we are losing physicality we we are still having some sort of human connection if that makes sense um with with people from the industry and obviously with our students really expanding the uh food and finance high school family and social media and computers you can be anywhere in the world and come together which is really an amazing thing. And I guess coming together is sort of the principle of restaurants in the hospitality industry and, and feeding people. Naya, I want to ask you, what does the rest of your senior year look like? It's a little bit unexpected. I know you had, when we spoke last week, you were working uh, in a restaurant and you were getting ready for graduation. What is, what is the, the next few weeks look like now for you? Yeah. So the next few weeks is just really trying to finish all of my work, make sure nothing is like over too or late, just getting everything in so I could get the credit for the class and like just close out the senior year strong. Um, I do have some other things that I'm doing with like other organizations um, that'll keep my mind on things and help keep me focused. But really it's just doing my work trying to look on the positive of things and just finishing the year of strong. And are you hoping to go back to work at your rest? Tell us about where you were working as a line cook, yeah. right? Okay. So I was working before this happened. Um, I was working at Luca as a line cook. I just switched to Garmanger. Um When we are able to go back into the restaurants, I do hope to go back and just build my skills because that was like one of the things that I was focused on before um, the shutdowns and everything. I just wanted to like get better at my skill in the kitchen in general. Um, speed is a, like one thing that I've always focused on, but to get speed, you gotta be good at what you do first. So I was just trying to like hone in on that and hopefully master that station so I can keep moving on to, um, other stations and hopefully learn the whole kitchen like the back of my hand like that that was the goal um yeah 
Are you cooking at home for your family? Yes, I cook every day. Um, <laughs> the only days I don't cook is on the weekends. But yeah. Are you are you working on your speed and skills when you're cooking for your family? Yes, I try to. I try to focus on my knife skills, um, try to stick to the basics and like practice on like different techniques. I bake sometimes too. So I'm always like trying to create like new recipes or like test like new ones, get their approval, tweak something. I'm always experimenting in the kitchen. I think that's what kept me like really, I don't know, in good spirits. I feel like the kitchen is like where I can clear my head a lot of the times. So I've been in there a lot. There are a lot of people who cook professionally and otherwise who often say that uh, cooking is almost like a moving meditation sometimes, especially when you're doing uh, a lot of the, you know, prep work. If you're, you know, peeling vegetables or chopping something or stirring or just whisking and you do those same small movements over and over again, um, there's something that's very calming and relaxing about that sometimes. Um, also, sometimes the quiet of the kitchen, which may be sounds counterintuitive to the crazy, hot, you know, fast-paced, noisy kitchen that we see on TV and in restaurants. But cooking can be really uh, a moving meditation. There's actually even um, one of my favorite meditation apps is Headspace. And I really, uh, I've been using it for many years now, and I find it wonderful. They have different meditations that you do while you are moving around in the world. They have meditations for when you're walking outside or inside in nature or in a city. They have meditations for cleaning your house and doing dishes. And they even have meditations for cooking and eating. So I think that's an interesting idea also, because um, you do have to be so mindful when you are cooking, especially to be precise in some instances that um, that's, that's a good thing to note that it can be, you know, relaxing and, and kind of calming. What are your plans for the actual graduation with your friends? Oh, wow. For actual graduation. Um, mm -hmm. What what day is that going to be? Well, um, originally the ceremony was supposed to be um, the last day of school, June 26th. Um, right now it's kind of up in the air. <laughs> we don't know what we're physically doing. Um most people, well, the students are trying to focus on, like, getting the credit, and we're trying to come up with different ideas so we can, like, celebrate in a way. Um, there are options like Zoom, everybody getting on Zoom. I threw in the option of, like, um, putting together basically a collage of, like, videos and pictures of everybody and their best moments. We're just trying to find ways that we can reminisce and basically celebrate together without actually physically being around one another. And everybody's trying to think and pitch in. It's well, you have today is May 26. So you have exactly a month. And it sounds like you'll have some great ideas. Will you send us a photo of you and your senior sweater that we can post with the show episodes? I'm so curious to see them now after you said it was Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> So, Eliza, tell us what the balance of the school year looks like, and then um, what happens after the school year and going into the summer. I mean, it's so hard to predict what's going to happen, but 
you're you all are a school and an institution that keeps keeps going and has dates and things and obligations to fulfill. So how are you planning to wrap it up and then move forward? Yeah, so um, support the nonprofit for food education fund. We are kind of going back to um, zero just to kind of rethink everything with a new lens and not trying to just continue with um, what we were before and figure out what we need to be now. And that may change again in the future. Um, one kind of interesting thing has been, so with all of the food distribution, where we are not a food distribution nonprofit normally at all, and we had never done anything like that. Um, so after kind of each round, we're like, okay, now we'll kind of pass it on to whoever does the food distribution to do that. And we kept kind of looking and being like, okay, who's going to, who's going to do it? And a lot of people are doing really great work. Like Naya mentioned, or Kat mentioned, uh, Department of Education was still is still doing school meals and you can go to any school Um, and that's great but I think a lot what we found is a lot of families can't leave their home Uh, we've had a huge percentage of families that are living with um, somebody who's ill maybe people that have other health conditions Um, as I mentioned the school with students with severe disabilities there's a lot of reasons why people can't leave their homes Um, and there's just so many people right now that need food so We're working on another round of food distribution um, with Rethink Food um, and also with Dig, Roland, Grove House, Sir Kensington's, um, and a few other donors. For another 100,000 meals is our goal. Um, So for anybody that wants to donate to contribute to that, it's bit.ly slash donate FEF for that link. And then for our programs, we're... We probably talk about our mission every single day. Um, Our mission is through culinary arts and entrepreneurship, we prepare and empower our students to continue their education and cultivate personally meaningful careers. So we're talking about, like, aside from what our programs looked like in the past, how can we keep doing that? Um, And how can we work with what we know works in this completely new environment and also respond to what students are asking for and what they need. And kind of at first we were just focused on like food distribution and all of that. And then we were hearing from students that it's really hard for them, but also they're super bored. <laughs> I think they, they have classwork, but they miss their friends. And as Naya was saying, like they, I think they want something to do and to focus on. So we've been doing different cooking comp- cooking video competitions, recipe competitions with Goya, with Questlove, um, with Sir Kensington's to keep something exciting. Uh, we're doing a an actually a cooking or like a food magazine, online magazine with Cherry Bomb with the juniors that should be really exciting. So kind of we've realized the value of projects and hope and also supporting the basic needs. And we're trying to figure out as as a nonprofit, how can we best support that without being too stuck to what was before? Well, adaptability is certainly one of the top, top valued skills in the kitchen and restaurant world. And also just in terms of, um, you know, the mother being necessity, being the mother of invention and things like that. Um, it's also interesting to think about that Food and Finance High School and the Food Education Fund have always been about um, teaching students and people to feed people in a very literal way. I'm going to cook something delicious for you and, and share it with you, and that's going to you know, 
be nutritious and nurture you, but you're also now perhaps um, in a very different way um, showing students and also, you know, organizing, feeding people in a more uh, fundamental way. Here are your groceries. Here's how we can, you know, get food to you in your own small, you know, food distribution system. So that's really, you know, again, it's uh, it's an amazing uh pivot that you have all made into all these different areas and so quickly and so successfully um, that it's really, it's, it's, it's admirable and laudable and wonderful and hopeful and, and joyful and, and all those things. Um, Kat, tell us how you close out the virtual school year and what happens going into the summer. We had spoken about also summer school and some summer programs that you have for incoming students that you have to sort of figure out how to re-engineer now as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um, last year we started a program called Culinary Summer Camp, which was with incoming freshmen. Um, and we catered that program to about 50 incoming freshmen um, it's actually my favorite program out of the many programs that we run, although we only did it for one year. Um, it's just a very exciting program to have students that know nothing about the school, nothing about the nonprofit, nothing about the building. Like they, It's just a blank canvas, um, and they come in and you kind of start from scratch. So to me, that was a very exciting program. Um, sadly, obviously, we won't be able to do it, at least not in that in that way this year. Um, just because it's difficult enough to kind of break the ice with incoming students. Um, to, to do that physically is already challenging. You know, they're shy. They're technically kind of still eighth graders. Um, they're about to go into high school, which is a big move. Um, and kind of breaking that ice is difficult in itself, even when we're physically together. So right now we're just thinking of ways to kind of still keep that program um, potentially with a different grade level um, potentially virtual uh, maybe once a week with different groups maybe a few days a week for a few weeks at a time um, so we're still you know kind of figuring that out but we are definitely trying to um, end the school year uh, and go into the summer with that program still active I think for our virtual classes, uh, right now we're we're kind of just making sure students have enough content um, academically so that they can get those grades that they need in order to pass. Uh, we're speaking every day with many students to make sure that they're getting all the classwork done, to make sure that they have all the resources that they need to be successful. Uh, so that we can put in those final grades. We're kind of at that stage and figuring out what final exams look like um, and final projects. Uh, we actually did a project last week and it was a virtual presentation, which was very exciting, uh, very different. Um, and it was nice to see it actually work in a virtual form, which was something that like we didn't think of because we're used to doing presentations you know, in person. So we're kind of at the end right now, and we're just moving those few last pieces and making sure that our students, again, have everything that they need to end the year strong, especially our seniors. Like now, we want to make sure that they graduate and, you know, that they're passing all their classes and we give them all the tools that they need to do so. How many seniors do you have graduating this year? The senior class runs anywhere between about 75 to 80 students. Um, 
So we, we have a strong graduation um, percentage. And uh, we're hoping that, you know, this year things are so far looking good. And again, it's it's not being physically with with each other that has kept us on top of the students and the students on top of their own things. So uh, we've we've been able to captivate those few students that, you know, are probably falling a little behind, that are not keeping up with all the other students so that we can stay on top of them even more uh, so that we have, again, a strong graduation percentage. Well, we're going to say congratulations to Naya and all her fellow senior students, and really congratulations to the entire student body and instructors and faculty and staff at Food and Finance High School for just doing a tremendous job of working through this, cooking through this, um, feeding people through this. Uh, it's in times like this, you know, we've, we read so many articles, we hear so many people say, you know, it's in times of crisis and stress that, that people um, either do their best or their worst. And I think this is an instance where you have a group of people who are really, truly doing their best. Um, and we've always been fans of the Food and Finance High School here. And, and so it's really a pleasure to hear about what everyone is doing. If you want to check out what Food and Finance High School is all about, visit them online, foodfinancehs.org. Follow them on social media, Instagram at Food Education Fund, on Twitter at FEFNYC. If you want to donate, go to donate.onecause.com backslash support hyphen food hyphen education hyphen fund. And we'll post all this in the show notes when it comes out. I want to thank Eliza Lower, the executive director, Kat Tavernas, the program manager, and Nia Rivers, Food and Finance High School senior student, for taking the time to join us today. Um, are, does anybody have any last thoughts or last words they'd like to share before we close out the show? Thank you so much for having us on. Um, an easier donation link is bit.ly slash donate FEF. And just thank you so much for talking with us. Wonderful. So uh, if you want to get in touch with Tech Bytes, if you have a story idea or some thoughts or something you'd like to share, you can email us techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org. You can find us on social media at techbyteshrn. We and all the HRN staff are committed to continuing to share stories from our food community from around the world during this time. It's so important to hear what other people are doing, suggestions, inspirations, where to go for help and relief, and how you can contribute to help and relief. So visit us, heritageradionetwork.org. We've got the lights on, and we hope you come and visit us. I'm Jennifer Leutzi, and this is Tech Bites. Tech Bytes is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Just enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. 
Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.